Greetings, ladies and mendigants, and welcome to this narration of the web novel Burning Stars, Falling Skies, taken from both HFY and Royal Road. The link to the original will be down below, and as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please subscribe, like, and comment so that the great algorithm and all its wisdom decides to help grow this channel. Chapter 8 Unity The Iron Age rolled over all neighboring tribes, crushing them under the weight of historical inevitability. In between the conquests, her daughters were outfitted with the same rigid metal armor three-deck war. Despite Bukai's greatest efforts, the men-smiths still weren't able to make steel suitable for chainmail, forcing their tribe to choose between wearing restrictive suits or leather. The plate made sense for Threedak. She never was able to figure out how the trick behind the spear throwers, but for the rest of the hunters, the plate forced them to choose between melee or ranged combat. The plates of steel armor simply interfered too much with the soldiers' graspers to let them use their weapons properly. Until the smiths could make chain thieves for the armor, the ranged soldiers needed to make due with leather pauldrons and braces. The tribe's leather workers were able to mold the armor with enough finesse that the ranged weapons could be used even if the soldiers still grumbled about the chafing. It was better than more injuries. Over the year, Threedak had seen too many of her daughters suffer from broken graspers and deep spear wounds in their limited areas uncovered by armor. Katash would always tutter that injury and casualties were the inevitability of war, but it was different for Threedak. Each and every one of the injured Dajdal was one of her daughters. The worst was Talma, one of Katja's original hunters, on their third excursion. While subjugating a tribe dwelling in a mountain valley, she suffered a deep spear wound to her shoulder. Talma shared some blame in the injury, having not secured her barred pauldron in place due to chafing, but her injury unleashed an anger and threedak that was utterly alien to her. For the first and only time, she refused the tribe's surrender letting out great booming shouts of rage from her neck pouch as she slew Dajtal after Dajtal. Finally, she stood amidst the corpses of the tribe, her blade slick with the blood of the daughters and looking on with concern. Tenderly, she approached Talma, who staunched the flow of the blood from her shoulder while the soldiers collected the dead. The next day, infection set in, and the accursed spear woman had coated her weapon's head in excrement. Threedak gnashed her teeth, wishing she could kill and devour her once more. Instead, her only option was to stand, crooning over her daughter's thrashing form, keeping her cool with a wet rag made from the softened leather and feeding her herbal tea made from the roots and tree bark. Over the following days, Threedak cared closely for her daughter. The tea brought down her fever, and Threedak fed her by grasper like she was a whelp. Every time she looked down into Talma's clouded eyes, her hearts ached. Their tribe needed proper medicine. Wangs and Newsmerries helped Threedak understand germ and virus theory, but Dodge Tal and human anatomy were just too different for the human knowledge to truly aid her. Eventually, Talma recovered, but Threedak put her feet down. All expeditions were to be put on hold until the tribe's warband could be outfitted in heavier and more robust armor. Conquest was important, but Threedak refused to sacrifice any of her daughters to achieve it. 
The mint was so much stronger and larger than all of her neighbors that even if they could conceive of banding together, it would almost certainly be insufficient. Finally, the warriors were ready for the final planned conquest. A mountain tribe, almost two days' march from Lament that numbered almost fifty Dutch Tull. The tribe managed to reach that number by dwelling in a particularly rich valley, filled with plump, slow game and absent predators other than the Dutch Tull themselves. Katash and Dallas wanted to claim the valley for Lament as it had great potential to feed her growing clan. Three lax waltzes consisted of herself, Katash, armed with a prototype crossbow, and eighteen other Dutch Tull. The remaining Dutch Tull were a combination of her daughters, granddaughters, and a slightly confused tribeswoman conquered in the previous campaigns. Many of the more skilled members wore the hybrid leather and steel armor so that they could use the spear throwers, but the rest held long steel-tipped spears with thick shafts and wore heavy front-line armor that resembled three dax. The press gang Dutch Tull were more compliant than Threedak originally expected. More than anything, they were happy to have survived the capture. None of them could make sense of how driving unity or purpose fueled lament, but they were more than willing to do hard labor in exchange for food. As far as Threedak could tell, farming or mining in exchange for food was actually an improvement for their average prisoner given how frequently they would go without when their tribal hunts failed. The march to the mountain tribe went relatively smoothly. The only star block that approached the column was quickly crippled by Katusha's crossbow and finished off with the long spears of their infantry. The warband's teamwork was far from what three decks human memories could find acceptable, but the days of drilling were still evident. The glittering ring of spears surrounding the injured behemoth without flinching as it roared and swung its great paws. Each time, it would turn its attention in one direction. A Dutch doll would dart from one another, her four legs propelling her forward as she sunk the spear into the creature's hide before retreating. Even if Threedak wasn't satisfied with their progress, Katash was. They ate well that night, the grease and fat from the Starbucks great earthen bulk causing the scales around their muzzles to glisten as they sat about the campfire telling stories of their memories the newcomers listened in awe as their daughters told them about humanity's gleaming cities and the end of hunger. Threedak nodded from beside Katash. She didn't hold the same love for her common subjects that she did for her daughters, but they were coming to understand the importance of Lament's mission. On the dawn of the third day, her forces stood tall on the steep incline just above the mountain tribe's encampment. With a nod of her head to Katash, three Dax daughters fired the crossbows into them as they began to stir with the sun's first light. The first bolt missed anything, instead tearing through the mat and branches to what one of the tribeswomen was using to keep the sun and rain off of her. The primitive winch squeaked as Katash reloaded the weapon. No other sound disturbed the morning but the chatter of wildlife and the occasional woof of an exceeding Dutch tower. The second bolt struck the tribeswoman in her lower back, sinking through her scales into the flesh. The wounded Dutch doll screamed in agony, trying to spin and identify where the attack had came from. Around her, the other Dutch doll woke up in a hurry and surrounded their injured companion. A third bolt landed in the camp, pinning another Dutch doll's leg to the ground. Three decks stepped forward, her pouches billowing as she let out a pillow of challenge, breeding the gaze of all on her. Threedak climbed atop a nearby rock, 
addressing the tribe below. Throw your weapons aside, she shouted down at them. Surrender now and your lives can be spared. Our tribe will treat you well and together we'll rule over this planet. Predictably, the mountain tribes began charging up the incline towards their forces. The twelve soldiers from Lament, wearing heavy plate and wielding large spears, set themselves in front of the hunters. Thredak stood firm behind the soldiers, sword held in both graspers and a smile upon her muzzle. Katash spent most of her previous day picking the site for their battle, and Thredak had to agree with her selection. The charge was doomed from the beginning. Before the mountain tribe made it halfway up the hill, another crossbow bolt landed amongst them, missing them all. Shortly thereafter, Lament's hunters launched their volley of spears, dropping two of the enemies. After a matter of seconds, another wave of spears landed amongst them. Although the spear throwers didn't have anywhere near the range of the crossbow, Katasha prided herself on the speed with which her hunters could throw their spears. The only real limiting factor was the number of light spears they carried. Katash ensured that her hunters had no fewer than thirty on hand, more than enough to keep her there filled with spears for the entirety of the battle. The climb took its toll on the mountain tribe, leaving them puffing for breath and barely able to move at a jog. Many of them already fallen to all six legs, dropping their weapons as they struggled for purchase on the steep incline. The rain of spears killed almost half of the Dutch tile before they reached the crest of the hill, the fallen bodies slowing their companions further. The survivors ran into a semicircle of flashing steel as the spears from the front line darted in and out of their charging foes. Their companions climbed over the dead, frantically trying to reach and silence the spear throws that had claimed so many of their kin. One of the mountain tribeswomen made it around the side of the spear line only to meet Thredak's sword. For the rest, any hope of victory disappeared in another series of spear thrusts that easily split through unprotected scales. The handful of remaining Dutch tall began to surrender, throwing down their crude weapons. Thredak watched with satisfaction as Katash took over the aftermath of the victory. The last true bastion that could stand against Lament had fallen and the society gained nine new members, all without any injury or cost beyond a handful of broken spears. Together, they collected the bodies of the fallen and brought them back to Lament. The journey back took place without interruption, with each day easier than the last as they ate their cargo. Finally, the war band returned to Lament and dodged all lining up the narrow streets throat sacks expanding and croaking in adulation. Dallas approached Thredak and she led the column of soldiers, wringing her graspers nervously. Mother, she bobbed her head, a short jerky movement. While you were gone, Prinkrak finished her great work. She asked that we unveil it to celebrate your and Katasha's victory. I understand if you're tired. Of course we'll see it, Thredak shouted, throwing her graspers up into the air. How could I delay the debut of one of my daughter's creations? Either way, Darnus, let me see what my sweet pink rack has created for lament. Darnus motioned with a grasper, and three Dak and the entire village followed her. In front of her home stood Pinkrack and Bakai flanking something covered in a large mat woven grass. Bakai noticed their approach and poked Pinkrack with a grasper, awakening her from whatever daydream consumed her. Oh, Pinkrath spoke distractedly. You're back, mother. I am, Thredak replied, chuckling slightly. 
I've spent the past years shifting through memories and dreams. Her daughter's eyes were still unfocused. It took me at least a year to develop the tools I would need to finish the project. But I needed something to capture what it is that we're trying to accomplish. A melange of our culture and humanity. I've started and stopped at least four times, but I think I've finally accomplished something worthy of what we hope to accomplish. For a second, silence fell on the clearing outside of Threedak's home. That's it, Prinkat shrugged her shoulders, motioning a crossbow towards Bukai. That's the speech. You should unveil it now. Bukai pulled on the rope and the woven from braided plant fiber, causing the mat to fall away. In the clearing stood a pair of figures lovingly crafted from the hard brown stone of the nearby mountain. A human and a Dajtal, standing side by side with Dajtal's torso in the air. A grass was gently placed on the human's shoulder. Together, they stared up into the sky, the human's face set with a look of sorrow, and a single tear carved delicately from the stone rolling down his face. The Dajtal muzzle was carved partially open, wonder filling its eyes. Three Dak circled the carving, the clearing still. None of Lament's Dajtal dared interrupt the moment. As she took in the carving, she noticed more and more details. Despite his sorrow, the human's back was straight, his hands were clutched into defiant fists. The Dajtal's tail was subtly and protectively curved around the much smaller being. She stopped and let out a deep and mournful crooning note, tears flowing from her muzzle. A second later, the Dajtal all joined her. Threedak approached Pinkracked and placed her hand on her shoulder. Daughter, Threedak's voice was heavy with emotion. It's beautiful. It joins our history, destiny, and sense of purpose into one coherent whole. It asks us to not forget humanity's past while looking forward to the future. It might have taken you years to craft it, but each stroke of your chisel is worth it to produce this masterpiece. Tell us... What do you call it? For a second, the distance faded from Penrack's eyes. She returned to her mother's gaze before bobbing her head slightly in appreciation. Unity, she replied, her voice bright with conviction. End of chapter. And that, my friends, concludes this video. I hope that you enjoyed. If you enjoyed the story, please follow the link down below and let the author know. If you wish to support this channel, you can do all the usual YouTube gumph, like subscribing, following, and more importantly, sharing. All of these things do help the channel grow. If you wish to do more, there are links for donations, Patreon, and channel memberships as well. And until the next time, I hope that you all have a wonderful one. I'll see you in the next video. Cheers.